0: Chapter Eleven of Lorna Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Daisy Fifty Five. Lorna Doone by Ara D Blackmore. Chapter Eleven. Tom deserves his supper. Well done, lad, Mr. Fagus said good-naturedly, for all were now gathered round me as I rose from the ground, somewhat tottering and myrrh and crescent-fallen, but otherwise none the worse, having fallen upon my head, which is of uncommon substance. Nevertheless, John Fry was laughing, so that I longed to clout his ears for him, not at all bad work, my boy. We may teach you to ride by and by. I see, though, not to see you stick on so long. I should have stuck on much longer, sir, if her sides had not been wet. She was very, or she was so slippery. Boy, thou art right. She hath given many the slip. Ha <laughs> ha! Vex not, Jack, that I laugh at thee, she is like a sweetheart to me, and better than any of em de be. It would have gone to my head if thou hadst conquered. None but I can ride my winning mare. Foul shame to thee, then, Tom Fagus! cried Mother, coming up suddenly and speaking so that all were amazed, having never seen her raffle, to put my boy, my boy, across her as if she, as if his life were no more than thine the only son of his father, an honest man and a quiet man, not a roystering drunken robber. A man would have taken nigh mad horse and then flung them both into horse-pawn, eh? And what's more, I'll have it done now if a hair of his head is injured. Oh, my boy, my boy, what could I do without thee? Put up the other arm, Johnny. All the time mother was scolding so, She was feeling me and wiping me, while Fagus tried to look greatly ashamed, having sense of the ways of women. Oh, only look at his jacket, mother, cried Annie, and a shilling's worth gone from his small clothes. What care for his clothes, thou goose? Take that and heed down on a bit. And mother gave Annie a slap which sent her swinging up against Mr. Fagus, and he caught her and kissed and protected her and she looked at him very nicely with great tears in her soft blue eyes Oh fie upon thee fie upon thee cried mother Being yet more vexed with him because she had beaten Annie After all we have done for thee and saved thy worthless neck and to try to kill my son for me Nevermore shall a horse of thine enter stable here since these be thy returns to me Small thanks to you, John Fry, I say, and you, Bill Dads, and you, Jim Slocum, and all the rest of you, coward lot, much you care for your master's son, afraid of that ugly beast yourselves, and you put a boy just breeched upon him? Well, Mrs., what could us do, began John, Jim would a go, not with her, Jim, and how was us? Again, indeed, Master John, if you please, to a lad of his years and stature. And now, Tom Faggus, be off, if you please, and think yourself lucky to go, and if ever that horse comes into our yard, I'll hamstring him myself, if none of my cowards dare do it. Everybody looked at my mother, to hear her talk like that, knowing how quiet she was, Day by day and how pleasant to be cheated and the men begin to shoulder their shovels both so as to be away from her and to go and tell their wives of it. Winnie too was looking at her being pointed at so much and wondering if she had done amiss and then she came to me and trembled and stooped her head and asked my pardon if she had been too proud with me. When he shall stop here tonight, said I, for Tom Pagas still said never word all the while, but began to buckle his things on, for he knew that women ought to be met with wool, as the balls were at the siege of Tilverton Castle. Mother, I tell you, Winnie shall stop, else I will go away with her. I never knew what it was till now to ride a horse worth riding young man said tom Fagus, still preparing sternly to depart you know more about a horse than any man on exmoor your mother may be proud of you but she need have had no fear as if i tom Fagus, your father cousin and the only thing i am proud of would ever have let you mount my mare which dukes and prince have vainly sought, except for the courage in your eyes and look of your father about you, I knew you could ride when I saw you, and really, you have conquered, but women don't understand us. Good-bye, John. I am proud of you, and I hope to have done you pleasure and Indeed, I came full of some courtly tales that would have made your hair stand up but though not a crust have I tasted this since this time yesterday having given my meat to a widow I will go and starve on the moor far sooner than eat the best supper that ever was cooked in a place that has forgotten me with that he fetched a heavy sigh as if it had been for my father and feebly got upon Winnie's back and she came to say farewell to me he lifted his hat to my mother with a glance of sorrow but never a word and to me he said open the gate cousin John if you please you have beaten her so that she cannot leap poor thing but before he was truly gone out of our yard my mother came softly after him with her afternoon apron across her eyes and one hand ready to offer him nevertheless he made as if he had not seen her, though he let his horse go slowly. Stop, Cousin Tom, my mother said. A word with you before you go. Why, bless my heart, Tom Fagus cried, with the form of his countenance so changed that I verily thought another man must have leaped into his clothes. Do I see my cousin, Sarah? I thought everyone was ashamed of me, and afraid to offer me shelter, since I lost my best cousin John Reed. Come here, you used to say. Tom, come here, when you are worried, and my wife shall take good care of you. Yes, dear John, I used to answer. I know she promised my mother so, but people have taken to think against me, and so my cousin Sarah. Ah, he was a good, he was a man, a man. If you only heard how he answered me. But let that go. I am nothing now since the day I lost Cousin Red. And with that he began to push on again. But Mother would not have it so. Oh, Tom, that was a loss indeed. And I am nothing either. And you should try to allow me, though I never found any one that did. And Mother began to cry. Though Father had been dead so long, and I looked on with a stupid surprise, having stopped from crying long ago. I can tell you one that will cried Tom, jumping off Winnie in a trice and looking kindly at Mother. I can allow for you, Cousin Sarah, in everything but one. I am in some ways a bad man myself, but I know the value of a good one, and if you gave me orders. By God, and he shook his fits towards Bagworthy wood, just heaving up black in the sundown. Hush, Tom, hush, for God's sakes. And Mother meant me, without pointing at me. At least I thought she did. For she ever had weaned me from thoughts of revenge and even from longings for judgment. God knows best, boy, she used to say. Let us wait his time without wishing it. And so, to tell the truth, I did. Partly through her teaching, and partly through my own maltemper, and my knowledge that father, after all, was killed because he had thrashed them. Good night, cousin Sarah. Good night, cousin Jack, cried Tom, taking to the mare again. Many a mile I have to ride, and not a bit inside of me. No food or shelter this side of Exford, and the night will be black as pitch, I trow. But it serves me right for indulging the lad, being taken with his look so. "'Cousin Tom,' said Mother, and trying to get so that Annie and I could not hear her, "'it would be a sad and unkind-like thing for you to despise our dwelling house. "'We cannot entertain you as the lordly ends on the road do.' And we have small change of victuals, but the men will go home, being Saturday, and so you will have the fireside all to yourself and the children. There are some few collops of red deer's flesh, and a ham just down from the chimney, and some dried salmon from Lindmouth Weir, and cold roast pig, and some oysters and if none of those be to your liking, we could roast two woodcocks in half an hour, and Anna would make the toast for And the good folk made some mistake last week, going up the country, and left a keg of old Holland cordial in the covering of the wood rick, having borrowed our smaller without asking leave. I fear there is something unrighteous about it, but what can a poor widow do? John Fry would have taken it, but for our Jack, our Jack was a little too sharp for him. Eh hey. that I was. John Fry had got it, like a billet under his apron, going away in the grey of the morning, as if to kindle his fireplace. Why, John, I said, what a heavy log! Let me have one end of it. Thank you, Jan, no need for thysy, he answered, turning his back to me. Wife wanted a log as will last all day to cape the carcass zimmerin' And he banged his gate upon my knees to make me stop and rub them. Why, John, I said, you got a log with round holes in the end of it. Who has been cutting gun wards? Just lift up the apron or I will. But to return to Tom Fagas, he stopped to suck that night with us and took a lot of everything, a few oysters first, and then dried salmon, and then ham and eggs, done in a small, curled rashers, and then a few collops of venison toasted, and next to that a little cold roast pig, and a woodcock on toast to finish with it, before the shielding and hot water. And having changed his wet things first, "'he seemed to be in fair appetite "'and praised Annie's cooking mightily, "'with a kind of noise like a smack of his lips "'and a rubbing of his hands together "'whenever he could spare them. "'He had gotten John Fry's best small clothes on, "'for he said he was not good enough "'to go into my father's, "'which mother kept to look at, "'nor man enough to feel them. "'And in truth my mother was very glad "'that he refused,' when i offer them but john was over proud to have it in his power to say that such a famous man had ever dwelt in any clothes of his and afterwards he made show of them for mr Faggus's glory then though not so great as now it is was spreading very fast indeed all about our neighbourhood and even as far as bridgewater tom Fagus was a jovial soul If ever there has been one, not making bones of little things, not caring to seek evil, there was about him such a love of genuine human nature, that if a traveler said a good thing, he would give him back his purse again. It is true that he took people's money more by force than fraud, and the law, being used to the inverse method, was bitterly moved against him, although he could quote precedent these things i do not understand having seen so much of robbery some legal some illegal that i scarcely know as here we say one crow's foot from the other it is beyond me and above me to discuss these subjects and in truth i love the law right well when it doth support me and when i can lay it down to my liking with prejudice to nobody loyal too to the king am i as behoves churchwarden and ready to make the best of him as he generally requires but after all i could not see until i grew much older and came to have some property why tom Fagus, working hard was called a robber and a felon of great while the king doing nothing at all as became his dignity was lie-gig lord and paramount owner with everybody to thank him kindly for accepting tribute for the present however i learned nothing more as to what our cousin's profession was only that my mother seemed frightened and whispered to him now and then not to talk of something because of the children being there whereupon he always nodded with a sage expression and applied himself to Holland's. Now let us go and see Winnie, Jack, he said to me after supper. For the most part I feed her before myself, but she was so hot from the way you drove her. Now she must be grieving for me, and I never let her grieve long. I was too glad to go with him, and Annie came slyly behind us, The filly was walking to and fro on the naked floor of the stable, for he would not let her have any straw until he should make a bed for her, and without so much as a head-star on it, for he would not have her fastened. "'Do you take my mare for a dog?' he had said, when John Fry brought him a halter. And now she ran to him like a child, and her great eyes shone at the lanthorn hit me jack and see what she would do i would not let her hurt thee he was rubbing her ears all the time he spoke and she was leaning against him then i made believe to strike him and in a moment she caught me by the waistband and lifted me clean from the ground and was casting me down to trample upon me when he stopped her suddenly what you think of that boy have you horse or dog that would do that for you and more than she will do if i were to whistle by and by in the tone that tells my danger she would break this stable door down and rush into the room to me nothing will keep her from me then stone wall or church tower. ah winnie winnie you little witch we shall die together then he turned away with a joke and began to feed her nicely for she was very dainty not a husk of oak which she touched that had been under the breath of another horse however hungry she might be and with her oats he mixed some powder fetching it from his saddle-bags what this was i could not guess neither would he tell me but laughed and called it star shavings he watched her eat every morsel of it and with two or three drinks of pure water minister between wines and then he made her bed in a foam I had never seen before and so we said good night to her. Afterwards by the fireside he kept us very merrily sitting in the great chimney corner and making us play games with him and all the while he was smoking tobacco in a manner I never have seen before. Not using any pipe for it but having it rolled little sticks about as long as my finger blunt at one end and sharp at the other the sharp end he would put in his mouth and lay a brand of wood to the other and then draw a white cloud of curling smoke and we never tired of watching him I wanted him to let me do it but he said no my son it is not meant for boys then Annie put up her lips and asked with both hands on his knees for she had taken to him wonderfully is it meant for girls then cousin time but she had better not have asked for he gave it to her to try and she shut both eyes and sucked at it one breath however was quite enough for it made her cough so violently that lizzie and i must thump her back until she was almost crying to atone for that cousin tom sat to and told us whole pages of stories not about his own doings at all but strangely enough they seemed to concern almost every one else we had ever heard of without halting once for a word or a deed his tales flowed onward as freely and brightly as the flames of the wood up the chimney and with no smaller variety for he spoke with the voices of twenty people, giving each person the proper manner and the proper place to speak from, so that Annie and Lizzie ran all about and searched the clock and the linen press. And he changed his face every moment so, and with such power of mimicry, that without so much as a smell of his own, he made even mother laugh so that she broke her new ten penny waistband. And as for us children, he rolled on the floor, and Betty Muxworthy roared in the wash up End of Chapter eleven Recording by Daisy fifty five